When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the uh, World Cup final weekend edition. We've got two episodes to go of the global game and we're leading up to the World Cup final, which happens on Sunday evening, straight Monday morning Australian time. But we've got some A-League men's and women's news to get through as well on this particular episode. And joining me, Adam Peacock, is Adam Kwasnick once again. Quas, how are things, mate? Yeah, good morning, mate. Yeah, good to be here again. I, I did state yesterday that I didn't want to be on this morning's show, but um, yeah, I've been dragged in and yeah, happy to be here again and done my research, ready to go. Now, that's not because you dislike myself or, or Alex or our listeners. Um, wherever you're listening on the podcast, we are uh, recording this late morning on a Saturday and we've gone a bit later um, to suit myself and it suits you as well cause because uh it was your christmas party last night that's why you didn't want to really have an early morning start today absolutely mate and it was a good night look you, you know we had um a couple old players that work up at the central coast sports college andre gumprecht damien brown um brad porter myself uh, there was a couple no shows in porter and brown but uh andre <laughs> gumprecht he was in fine form last night and um i'm glad i got out when i did oh when did you get out you get out early did you yeah, two AM, mate. Me and Rosie just sort of uh, smoke bombed it. Hey, that's not early. <laughs> that's a massive well, session. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. We started. What did we start? Four o'clock, five o'clock. So, <laughs> yeah, it got a bit. It got a bit rowdy towards the end. I, I got to. I got to give you the tip. You know, school teachers, mate. They when they let their hair down, they really let their hair down. That's for sure. Well, looking after thirty teenagers every day kind of would get the errors, and when you got the prospect of not dealing with it for six weeks, I'd, I'd let my hair down as well. But yeah, well done. Just another quiet night up there. You, you, you lot are a different breed up the Central Coast. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. Anyway, we'll get to the football right now. We'll get to a bit more serious stuff, and we're going to actually start today's show with today's hot topic. Thanks to Guzman E. Gomez, fast food that athletes say yes to, and the fan walkouts. So it's happened. The first one is down as we sit here right now. We'll wait and see exactly what transpires in the triple header for the A-League men's today. But Newcastle, uh, the fans did what they were, said they were going to do. 20 minutes in, the, the squadron or the Jets fans, whatever they're called these days, just said, no, nah, we're out of here. Uh, what do you make of it, Quaz? 
Yeah, look, very interesting. You know, there was lots of talk about it in the lead up and it's happened. Um, I just, I don't know whether it's got the desired effect. I think, you know, talking off off air to the maestro, I think, you know, we're going to see a a bigger effect uh, with the Melbourne derby tonight. Um, But yeah, the desired effect is it, it doesn't it doesn't sit with me, you know, quite right. Um, that being said, um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. What what is the outcome? Ads. What is the outcome after these fan walkouts this weekend? It depends on the scale for me. It, it totally depends on how big it is. Now, last night I I, I did notice that the active fans went away, um, but did anyone else in the ground? go as well like we didn't see the near side did we see people who are members uh, of the Jets who sit the near side did they take off not sure um, I'll, I'll see it for my own eyes tonight I'm going to the Melbourne Derby so we'll see all around the ground who walks out for me it's on that if if more than the active fans if it's like the whole stadium then then obviously the APL have got an incredibly large problem on their hands it's big enough at the moment with the fans that essentially they're the the, uh, the soundtrack to the game and if they're going to leave, they're going to leave consistently or not come back. Yeah, they've got a problem, big problem. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, look, with with all respect to the fans, I love them, we need them, but I, I think there needs to be a bigger impact. And I, you mentioned, you know, the the active active supporters, um, you know, amongst Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City fans, Newcastle Jets fans. I think that's one thing, but if you get members and, and you get – they had 5,000 people there last night – if you have half of them walk out of the stadium, that is a massive statement. And I think that needs to happen if there's going to be that desired effect. And last night there was some sort of effect, but I just don't know how far it will go. Um, for me, if, if we're going to, well, if the fans are going to do this and, and me being a fan as well, I think you really need to hit it where it hurts and just don't turn up at all. And that could have a, a, a better outcome moving forward. Look, someone like Danny Townsend knows the landscape really well especially with his time at Sydney FC and he knows the Cove. So he knows to a degree how active support works and and maybe how they think, not totally perhaps, because I do think that this decision, they've totally underestimated how it was going to be received amongst the fans. I do get the hint though, that they think that this is mainly a social media storm. It's a, it's a, it's, it's one for people on Twitter to really get hold of and, and run with hard. Now, Twitter is what, 26% 26% of the population are on Twitter, 20%. So does it resonate with the rest? I, I don't know. As, as I sit here right now, Quaz, I don't know and won't know fully until the end of this round. But, geez, they put themselves out there. They've, they've given them – they've given a – exposed themselves to great risk. And it's is it something that the game can afford? I'm not sure. Yeah, the other thing I want to add, I tell you what, the NRL and AFL must be laughing at, at, at football at this point of time. You know, if if they were, you know, probably put in a situation like this, it would probably be, be um, you know, solved within 48 hours. The fact that it's lingering about, it's not a good look for the game overall. Um, and I just think something, something needs to be done quickly. I want to see the reaction tonight of the fans. And, you know, I, I want to see a big statement from the fans for the APL to, to really take notice. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what they're planning. The the uh, original style Melbourne and the City Terrace. That's what absolutely they're planning. A, a big scale, like this. Like Melbourne derbies are great, but the Christmas derby is especially great. It's given it given the league so much over the ten years. I mean, I get back to this. Would would they tinker with the Christmas derby? Would they go? Oh, this is great. Wow, it's a real commodity. It's almost one of the best. It, it's up there with 
oh, it's probably surpasses Sydney Derby because you know there's going to be a Christmas Derby every year. Would they go, oh, let's move it to Hobart because the Tasmanian government want to um, to fill our pockets? <laughs> yeah, that's that could be. Yeah, that could be danger if that was to happen. But mm. I'm looking forward to tonight, mate. I'm I'm actually jealous of the fact that you're going down there and, and going to be a part of it. Or you know, I'd love to get to a Melbourne Derby. I think that the the build up to it in that first twenty minutes it's going to be electric, but then we'll just have to wait and see what happens after that. Uh, those walkouts last night, and th- that was the hot topic, by the way. But we'll continue the discussion. The hot topic is thanks to Guzman E. Gomez, uh, home of clean, healthy burritos, bowls that athletes say yes to. The TV coverage last night, we we pondered um, whether or not we were uh, the the TV coverage was going to cover it. They did, and I reckon they did it really fairly. Simon Hill and Daniel McBreen were in commentary. They gave their view. They spoke about it pregame. They actually showed it. Fans walking out. They put it in picture in picture when they had to get back to the focal point, which was the game. No complaints about that, cause. No, not at all. And you know, it was even interesting as well because I, you know, I caught parts of the game last night live, and I had to go back through and 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 make sure you know all the highlights that I had them covered. And when you look at the highlights, even it was covered in there. It was it was only a two or three minute um, snippet of highlights, and um, yeah, they they panned to the crowd for a bit there during the highlights package. Um, yeah, so I think it was done fairly, and um, you know, well done to, to Simon and, and Golden Nuts as well for for speaking about it. And um, yeah, where to to tonight? We'll just have to wait and see. Golden Nuts being Daniel McBreen, of course, and yeah. a shout out to Daniel. And I think I might just refer to him. I might change his name in my phone to Golden Nuts. Actually, thank you, Quaz, for that. It's really good. <laughs> what do you think of his commentary, by the way? Give him a serve if you feel like it. I think he's he's done really well, Daniel, to transition, right. given that he was a complete lunatic any time we put a camera around him on on Fox Sports when he was playing. Well, you remember the code as well. He was, uh, yeah, he was um, definitely out there. But, yeah, look, I think he's made a fantastic transition into, into the media and he's done really, really well and he's only getting better. I love his insight into games and he's got an opinion and I think it's very valid given what he's done in the game. So fair play to him. Um, I expect an invoice when uh, he listens to this podcast tonight. <laughs> Back to how they do the, the coverage, just that people might not actually realise how it's broken down with um, how a coverage is put together. Now, in the Fox days, we had a service provider, it was uh, NEP, and they put all the cameras there and Fox then put in the commentators, the hosts, and all the editorial matter, if you like. Um, And then it's a Fox-branded coverage. Now, how they've done it, this, it's a new company which APL have engaged called Global Advance. They're using new technology, which is why sometimes early doors, it wasn't quite working because it's reliant heavily on the internet. It's a new way of doing it. It's a, it gives them more scope to put more cameras on the game, but it costs less to actually put together. And sometimes it shows, but they do have more cameras on the game. But then they provide that service to Paramount, who put it on their platform. But then the editorial matter is then handled by Network 10. So like Daniel, like Simon, like Tara, like all those guys, they're they're basically uh, contracted to Channel 10. And then in the middle meets Paramount Plus, who are basically just the carrier, if you like. Now, we know that Paramount Plus, their carrier service, simply hasn't been up to scratch. And I still can't quite work out how they can be angry at the APL or have the irrits with the APL about what has come into their coffers when the service that they have provided for the people like myself and yourself, Quaz, and Alex as well, trying to watch at home, it is so glitchy, you can't rewind, everything like that. I don't know if 
if they're asking for a discount from the APL, but they're kidding themselves if they are, because it, in many respects, it should be the bloody other way around. Yeah, absolutely. They just, yeah. I, 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 it's interesting. I didn't, you know, know how it all operated, and it's great that you sort of gave us that insight, Ads. I think it's good to know moving forward, and all the all the punters out there that are aware of this, you know, basically Paramount don't really have a leg to stand on, and they're blowing up. A kerfuffle when it's not really warranted so yeah hopefully uh it can get sorted sooner rather than later and, and we can move on yeah i mean i i know speaking as a former fox employee we weren't exactly perfect in the in the last days of of having the coverage some some ridiculous things were happening there with technology and crossovers and you know it, it was just yeah not good enough and also optus early days with optus that was a shower of you know what but fair play to optus they've turned themselves into arguably the best platform online to use in terms of functionality and what you get provided when you when you log in for La Liga or Japanese League or, or English Premier League. I don't know if you have it, Quaz, but that that's the standard setter, Optus now. So, yeah, it's it's up to everyone else to get up to their speed. Yeah, I've got Fetch. It's, yeah, great coverage. I, th- I think you guys did a great job back in the day, Ads. Don't, don't. Don't sell yourself short there. I felt Fox uh, was was amazing for the game and there were some really good people involved and um, it was sad to see him go. But, you know, the game sort of went in a different direction. So um, hopefully Paramount can get their act together uh, with, with Channel 10. Yeah, I can understand why APL went in a different direction because they didn't want... Because Fox put in a competitive offer for it with, with Paramount and 10, but I think they realised that if we stick with Fox and, you know, just the air around it and it was was turning to pot all of it, that if they didn't go for a fresh change, it would have been, oh, same old, same old Fox and whatever like that. It was it was disheartening from a Fox employee point of view that they went, but I could understand it, but hasn't quite worked out the way that they want to. Hopefully it can all turn around. Anyway, uh, that's the chat about the A-League men's situation in terms of fans and the coverage and all of that, and we're going to continue the discussion about football after the break, we're going to talk about a bit of uh, World Cup news. You're listening to The Global Game. Thanks to Kraken.com, trusted by 9 million crypto customers worldwide. Kraken.com, broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Yeah, welcome back to The Global Game with Adam Peacock and Adam Kwasnick. At Global Game SEN is the Twitter handle. And we're going to get into a bit of World Cup news right now. Quaz, third v. fourth playoff. Usually the, why on earth are they playing this one? But... But with Morocco in it, it's actually made it interesting. And Croatia as well. Obviously, Luka Modric, maybe his last ever game for Croatia. But um, the Moroccans especially, it's um, I'm actually looking forward to it. And I've, I don't think I've ever said that about a third v. fourth. Yeah, I, I can't really say the same, to be honest, Ads. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think the Moroccan fans will, you know, they'll create a, a, an amazing uh, atmosphere. And obviously, the Moroccans got everything to play for. The fact that you're going to, you know, potentially finish third in a World Cup for an African nation. It's massive, but I, I get both both managers sort of advocating this game and, and the importance of it. But hey, I've got to I gotta be honest, no one no one really remembers third place. Um, you know, the players they're they're not gonna relive this third place game as a highlight in their career. Um, from a club point of view, if I've if I've got you know players playing in that game, you know I want to get them back to my club, fit and healthy, ready to go for for club football resuming. Um, yeah, look, I'm hoping for an open game, a free flowing game, um, but I, it's just not a big attraction. No one remembers third place. Yeah, I didn't think of it from a club point of view. If you're watching that and you've got a twenty fifty million dollar player, and he's out there. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's running around like a lunatic trying to win the game and he gets hurt and you miss him for the next three months. Yeah, not cool, huh? Not cool. Not at all. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, managers and, and club staff will be will be watching anxiously in, in this game. Um, that being said, you know, it's two fantastic teams that, that have had great World Cups, in particular Morocco. Um, you know, Croatia, you mentioned Luka Modric. What a, what, what a tournament he's had. It could be his last game in, in Croatian colours. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm hoping, as I said, I'm hoping a, a game with plenty of goals, uh, plenty of entertainment, but uh, it's not high on the agenda. I don't think I'll be getting up for it. I'll watch the highlights, but um, I won't be getting up for it. Yeah, seeing you were up at that time um, last night, it's probably not going to not going to fly. Been able to stay up once again for it, but um, anyway, Quaz, we'll move on to the final, shall we? Um, give us your thoughts on a, a, maybe from a tactical point of view. I know you love this stuff. So Scaloni's been so clever through the tournament um, for Argentina in. In trying to protect, and we spoke about this yesterday, and trying to protect Messi when they don't have the ball and get the best out of them when they do, because he's the main guy. So he's he's played with a four-four-one-one against Croatia, back three against the Dutch, a more open four-three-three against Australia in the round of sixteen. What about against the French, who are going to play a four-three-three? You know how they're going to do it. You know exactly the fact that Mbappe is going to stay wide on the left. You've got Dembele wide on the right, Giroud through the middle, the three midfielders with Griezmann buzzing around and a back four fullbacks trying to get forward when they can. How would you counteract what the French are definitely going to play if you're Scaloni? Yeah, well, Scaloni definitely has mixed it up in terms of systems this World Cup. But for me, the one that sticks out is is just what they did against the Aussies. I, I, I think it will, it will suit the Argentinians if you have a, a free-flowing open game. And, and they need to be aggressive. They need to be, you know, counter-attacking and, and keep the game wide open. Um, I think if you try and get, uh, how do I say, defensive-minded and, and sit back in a sort of, you know, mid to, to deep block, I think that plays into the French's hands. I, I, I think Scaloni needs to be aggressive from the outset here. Um, and I think a free-flowing open game uh, will su- suit the Argentinians and they need to be aggressive. They need to get into the faces of the French. They need to unsettle someone like Mbappe, whack him a couple times to give themselves the, the best opportunity to, to get something out of this game. And I think the longer the game goes on, um, I, I think it will wear down the French and it will, and it will open up opportunities for, for the Argentinians. Yeah, I think uh, Mbappe, you're right about that. They're going to um, yeah be... Uh Paying close attention to him, put it that way, in his pocket in the first uh, first stages of the match. Um, Karen Carney, who great thinker, um, England women's player as well of of great note, uh, she's encouraged Argentina to get a little physical with Antoine Griezmann, saying that he's the man. Now I really noticed him against Australia in the opening group game that he worked out for himself that Graham Arnold had a plan to stop the supply to him in the pocket in the number ten. So he just started floating around, dropping deeper. He got out to the right side pinging big diags over to Mbappe, who was exposed one-on-one against Atkinson. He's so clever, Griezmann. He, is it too hard to come up with a plan who against a player who knows how to get around plans designed to stop him, if you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think adds, you know, intelligence, individual intelligence and, and, and someone like Griezmann, you can, you can quickly, you know, analyse a game within the first 10, 15 minutes and say, okay, this is, you know up against Australia, this is not working, you know, they're protecting the middle. I, I need to drift into areas to make uh, certain players uncomfortable or make certain players come out of their natural positions. And, um, you know, for me, 
I, I, I don't think Argentina can just set up and, and just concentrate. We mentioned those Ferraris. They they need to be collective and, and worry about the whole French team. And, 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 and I think the way to do that is to be, you know, uh, aggressive with and without the ball and keep the game open, keep the game stretched. And I think that... It's a bit of a risk, but I think it can really play into the Argy's hands if they, if they, um, you know, counteract uh, the Ferraris that the French teams mm. have, in, in particular that front third. They just need to, to worry about their own game, um, and, and Lionel Messi is a big, big part of that. Interesting. Um, further afield, uh, Portugal have sacked Fernando Santos, who was, who was great company in press conferences. He's, he was fun to listen to, but... Uh, Obviously, the quarterfinal defeat to Morocco has cost him badly. He was contracted until the end of uh, the European Championships in 2024. But it opens up the possibility, and we're led to believe, that Roma um, are the ones that are going to decide here because I am Jose Mourinho has been offered, allegedly, the role for Portugal, but said you can keep your club duties as well. Thoughts on that? Yeah, <laughs> I guess he's probably the man that could manage both, right? And club, club and country. And um, you know, as, as I mentioned off air, you know, why not get uh, Cristiano Ronaldo as one of his assistants and, and, sure. and see see what some sort of reaction he can get out of out of the young Portuguese uh, players coming through. I think, uh, yeah, look, he he's got got the runs on the board. He's done it all before with the likes of Chelsea and, and Real Madrid. And, and why not give him a go with the with the Portuguese national team? Would love to see it. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, Gus Hiddink had a similar deal with Australia in 2005. He had a deal with PSV Eindhoven that said you can have 28 days in a calendar year, and that's it. So no more, but you full focus on us, but the 28 days spared, do what you want, mate. And then, um, yeah, he was getting into camps really late because he wanted to, to, you know, save them up for World Cup prep and all that. But it worked out in the end. Can be done, but... Interesting in the modern day. Speaking of the modern day, Gianni Infantino, um, his proclamation at the end of the tournament that it's been the greatest of all time. He would say that. That's fair enough too. That's, you know, that's his opinion. But what about the idea, Quasi, he's come up with for and FIFA as well? 2025, a Club World Cup, 32 teams from around the world. I can't imagine UEFA for one with their Champions League will be over the moon about this prospect. Uh, most definitely not. Um Look, the, the the only way I can see this, you know, uh, being uh, who comes out on top of this is, you know, I, I mentioned the Asian clubs, you know, uh, obviously an opportunity to, up, to play against European opposition um, on, a, on a big scale. There's obviously a mini version of the Club World Cup, um, you know, not met, not too many fans buy into it. It, it is a big thing, uh, being the greatest club in, in the world, at, at you know, for a calendar year, but... Um, if he does expand it, if they were to expand it, I think the Asian Asian clubs and, and players would be really looking forward to it to, to match themselves up against the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. One last one for you in our little worldly wrap here. Former Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi has told his Monza team that he would bring ladies of the night into the dressing room, the proponents of the oldest profession on earth, if they manage to win against a top Serie A club. I told the guys, said Berlusconi, now you will play Milan-Juventus. If you win against one of these top teams, I'll bring a bus of ladies into the locker room. He said, 86 years of age and obviously on the blue pills, Sergio, uh, Silvio. Uh, what do you make of this, mate? And what was the greatest incentive you ever had as a player from an owner? <laughs> well, uh, first, all I want to know is two things, whether the manager's allowing this as well. And then 
The second thing is, I guess if you're a single player in that club, that is an outstanding um, opportunity mm. uh, to, to really step up your game. And I guess if you've been rumoured or linked to that club and you're a single player, you know, I would sign the contract immediately. There's no question about it. But uh, as to my, uh, you know, incentives to win football games, look, I'll, I'll be honest, it was all based around dollars. We had, you know, win bonuses, draw bonuses. And, and then there was a case of, you know, if you did well, if you won this game, um, Laurie McKinnon, Graham Arnold, they'd give you a night out, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, free free play, so to speak, and, and we'll allow it out to all hours of the night. So that was our incentives back in the day. And, um, yeah, it worked well for us for a period of time. <laughs> I can't imagine Peter Toomble coming in with something like... Uh... Silvio offered up. So, um, yeah, more family wholesome attitude up there on the coast, which is good to see, which is why you had the success that you did. You're listening to The Global Game. Thanks to Kraken.com, your secure crypto partner. Get in the game at Kraken.com. Broadcast sponsor of Essien's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Our team of the tournament. We're going to go through them after the break. Yeah, welcome back to The Global Game. Adam Peacock and Adam Kwasnick with you here. We're going to run through our uh, best 11 from the... 2022 FIFA World Cup. Just before we do, Quaz, just a reminder of the 2018 team and how things change. So it's Larice, Trippier, Varane, Lovren, Ashley Young was the left back, Paulinho, Modric, Hazard, Griezmann, Neymar, and Mbappe up front. That was the best 11 from the uh, the World Cup. So, um, yeah, wow, Ashley Young at left back. That was uh, that stood out on that one, but it's a pretty Good front four. Um, do you want to go first, mate, or or should we put it on Alex first up to, to go? What do you reckon, mate? I'm happy to you know get it out of the way. Go for I've it. Sort of, I've sort of put this team together uh, based on what I've seen and the impact that these players have had at the World Cup. You know, there's some you could argue some le- left field decisions here, but um, yeah, from what I've seen and, and impact for their for their country and at the World Cup is what I've based it on. So I've. Uh, I've gone Lavakovic at in goals. I've gone a back four of Kawunda, Suta, Saiz from Morocco and Aki as a back four. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone Kovacic and Modric as the two holders. I've gone Ziyech, Mbappe and Messi as my attacking midfielders. And I've gone Richarlson as the, the lone number nine. Okay, mm. fair enough. No arguments there. So the four-two-three-one, huh? Yeah, well, that 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 system, you know, is very fond to me. Obviously, under Graham Arnold, we won a championship with that system. And uh, I was looking at the list that the maestro put through to us, and obviously, you, you've added to it. But um, yeah, I think four-two-three-one suits uh, suits those players. Yeah, I've I've quickly done mine because I didn't do my homework, did I? And I got into the thing. But Alex, he's so well prepared, producer Alex, that he's given us a, like a a longer list to go and then that gets the mind going and I've actually added three to the longer list and put them straight in the team so ignored the note do you want to go Alex or do you want me to I'll, crack? I'll stick through if that's yeah, alright go I've gone it. a four four two with a diamond um, I think it's been the Arnie went that as well at stages in your championship run didn't he Quasi system at the club yeah yeah, yeah. interesting yeah, well, we, so we're going another only system here. So I've got Livakovic in goal. Yeah. Uh, my fullbacks are Hakimi and Josip Juranovic, who's been coming in. Yeah. Sounds like Angie's going to lose him at Celtic. Van Dijk and Roman Seiss are my centre halves. Yeah. Uh, I've got Amrabat of Morocco at the base of the midfield, Rodrigo de Paul and Luka Modric as the two sides with Griezmann at the point behind Mbappe and Messi as my front two. Fair enough. Okay. Oh, who's your manager, oh, by the way? Yes, manager as well as Scaloni. 
Scaloni? He's been fantastic. Quaz? Yeah, I'd have to go Scaloni as yeah, well. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I've got Scaloni too as the oh, manager. Yeah. So Unanimous. I've got Lavakovic mm. as the goalkeeper, especially if it goes to penalty shootouts. <laughs> uh, I've got a 3-4-3. Three, because I, I wasn't sure about the left-back position. So, you know what? I just bombed it. If you don't have the cattle, Quaz, to play a certain system, you change the system, correct? You Absolutely. Just don't, you're not wedded to the 4-3-3. Three, three. Well, Scaloni's your manager. We've right? been told. Yeah, Scaloni. Exactly. He, he'll change he it four times around. in the game. Um, so at the back, the back three, I've got Hakimi on one side, Varane on the other, and this long-legged Scottish bloke who ended up playing for Australia in the middle, Big Harry. Because I'm telling you right now that if Lionel Messi did that run in the semi-final, Harry would have slid in and stopped the ball and it wouldn't have happened. And he would have got Messi as well. He would have got Messi, <laughs> exactly. And probably picked up, he like, no, no, exactly. So I've got Harry in there. It's completely biased and it's not going to happen. He's not going to be named in the best 11. But, hey, this is our best 11 in Australia, so stuff the world. Um, midfielders. The uh, I've, I've put four in midfield. So I've got Rabiot. Oh, Brozovic at the, the base. Mm. So he can just run around all day. He can run 25 Ks in the game and, and smash his own record after, what was it, 17 Ks yeah. in one game or something like that? In the, the extra time. 120. So Brozovic, Rabio, Lucas Paqueta, and Griezmann just in front as well. So it's it's almost like a diamond little This is very there. Dutch 70s. Yeah, it's just, mm. hey. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe people might accuse me of uh, being on some of the uh, the Dutch product in the 70s, sitting in one of those Amsterdam cafes if uh, they hear my front three as well. Um, and the front three, I've got Messi and Mbappe either side of Alvarez. So Alvarez can run around like an idiot, like Brozovic, and then the other two can just score all the goals, basically. What do you reckon, Kors? I don't mind that at all, mate. Both uh, yours and the Maestro's lineups are very... Very, very good, and um, yeah, I, I've got Suter in there as well, mate. I, I think he had a great tournament, I, and yeah, back, back three, back four. I think you need to have him in there. Where would you um, say if Harry did move in January? Where would you like to see him go? Give us a, maybe a club as well that you, you wouldn't mind seeing him um, end up at if he was to leave Stoke and Stoke were to sell. I guess. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see him, you know, challenged, you know, in, in the best league or, you know, arguably the best league in the world and most entertaining anyway, and that's the Premier League. Um, as to a club, you know, you'd love to see him, you know, I, I remember the days, the likes of Lucas Neal with it at, at, at West Ham, they are sort of, you know, punching well above their weight, Europa League and what have you. So I'd, I'd love to see him at a club like that, not a, not a, low club or a club fighting for relegation, a club that's that's comfortable and that he's fighting for European, uh, you know, positions next year. So I think he, he deserves that. I, I know it's only, well, it is only a World Cup. It's only a handful of games, but um, he's definitely on the radar now amongst many managers, I'm, I'm sure. You know where I'd like to see him end up if they get promoted and they're going really well at the moment? Um, and I know this will sound crazy, and he, he, he might be above this right now, but... Um, Burnley. Now, right. under Vincent Company, they have totally changed the way that they play. They've turned from Sean Dyche, ACDC football, you know, just whack it long and, like, get involved and second balls and all that, um, which is a little simplistic. They've tried to play a little bit sometimes. But uh, now they've turned into companies taking the, the Manchester City blueprint to Burnley and they're trying to play, play, play. So if they get promoted, and they could be one of those teams that, 
kind of do well in their first year of promotion. Harry Harry suits that. Harry can be physical, but geez, he's got some talent on the ball. So, you know, he's got options, course. That's the main thing. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's a great shout as well. Burnley, obviously, company coming in and changing things dramatically. And what was impressive for Harry Suter for me was, yeah, his ability on the ball. He he, he, he could start, you know, certain plays. He, you know, you weren't reliant on the other central defender or someone else starting to play. He, he could have the ball at his feet and he could play a penetrating pass. He could... You know, there's some big diags as well out to Leckie. He, he has that in his locker, which was fantastic to see. You're listening to the Global Game on SEN, be it through the podcast or on the radio. We're back in a moment to have a little A-League Sunday preview as well from the A-League men's. Back soon. Great to have you company on the Global Game. Um, back here to talk about the A-League men's. Before we do, though, the, the two Sunday games, um, Graham Arnold, uh, Quaz, I'm hearing it's a little further down the road. There's There's preliminary discussions going on about uh, about extending Arnie. Um, I don't think I've got your thoughts on it since we've we've had you on the last couple of days. What do you reckon, mate, about um, Graham Arnold taking the Socceroos to the 2026 World Cup? Yeah, obviously, if, um, you know, he, he's wanting to do that, obviously it's his core. I'm a massive fan of Graham Arnold and, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but Deary me, he he done a remarkable job um, this World Cup and, you know, he deserves anything he wants to stay at the national team he should get. Um, and if he's not to do that, uh, you know, let's hope he, he finds himself a club at Euro- in Europe. Uh, I, I just want to touch on the Socceroos, when you look on paper and you look at individuals, they had no right to compete and get to where they got to mm. um, this World Cup. And you got to give full credit to Graham Arnold, the way he set him up, the belief that he instilled in him. He got every last drop out of those players um, and he made them believe and he, he gave them an opportunity for, as individuals to go on to bigger and better things. We mentioned Harry Suter earlier on in the program. He's a classic example. Um, he, he had a remarkable World Cup and you put it down to Graham Arnold instilling belief in his players, um, uh, tactically setting them up superbly superbly, and getting uh, every last drop out of them. So I, I'm happy that, you know, they're talking. But, um, yeah, wherever, whatever Arnie wants to do, um, you know, the ball's in his court. Um, let's hope he stays on. But, uh, you know, he could be on to bigger and bigger, bigger and better things in Europe. Hey, when all that was going down, when it became aware, it, like we were over there, we were, in, we were almost part of the bubble going to training every day. But you know, not being locked there. We didn't see much of training. We only saw the first 15 of each day. So we had no idea about team lineups and tactics and all of that. And he kept that pretty close to his chest. But we did get the feeling that was like after the second game, I think it was, all of a sudden the players started filtering through and they were good with their time. They're very pleasant. But you'd ask them a question about, oh, the belief in the group. And all of a sudden an answer would include, yeah, and even you guys in the media probably didn't think that uh, you'd make it. So you could tell that Arnie had changed the message day by day. It's like, oh, and by the way, the media didn't give you a chance either. And it's like, it's this siege mentality that he, he was able to to create, not in a nasty way, but just, just kind of helping the players. Like you back here, I don't know if you noticed that, but watching it and having spent time with Arnie in a dressing room where he's done pretty much the same with the Mariners, got them to punch above their weight, were you like, Oh, I've read this book before. I know what uh, exactly is going on there. Percent, and it's great to have that, you know, insider knowledge, knowing, you know, working, working under Graham Arnold, and and obviously the coaching stuff that he has with him. I, I you could see that. You know, I remember getting. I was in Fiji and and getting up for the for the Denmark game, and I'm like, here we go. This is, 
this is Graham Arnold um, all over again, obviously, at, at the Mariners. And you know, what a performance. I, I, again, I tactically thought he did superbly. And he got, with all respect to the players there, an average group of players playing fantastic football, uh, you know, football to suit each of the individuals. They were so effective, so many of them. Um, and, and we got results off the back of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people um, shut up after that, that game up against uh, Tunisia. Um, and it just got better and better from there. Yep. So we'll see what happens with Graham Arnold. Still in England, um, still probably having 40 pints a night, in, enjoying his uh, <laughs> enjoying his celebration after the World Cup. But they'll come back here and, and hopefully it all gets sorted because... Uh, yeah, the goodwill in terms of the fans seems to have been diverted after the World Cup. In terms of preparing the Socceroos, it, it doesn't make sense to not offer Graham Arnold what he wants going forward. But we'll wait and see with that one. As for, we'll wait and see tomorrow in the A-League men's. Two games, um, I'll get your thoughts on here, Quaz. Western United, Western City Wanderers at Amy Park, the 3 p.m. kickoff. Hopefully cooler conditions, so some, some good high-tempo football can be played. You're always a bit of a risk for a 3 p.m. kickoff in the middle of summer that you're going to cop a 38-degree day. But... Doesn't look like to be the case. What do you, what has happened to Western United in your eyes this season? Yeah, well, obviously where they are on the table, it's uh, you know it's it hasn't been a great start for them. And I, I personally, I, they they haven't changed much, which is fine, right? Like there's there's no dramas with um, you know JA not changing too much in terms of the system and what have you. But the difference is, is they got a massive target on their back. Um, and if you aren't going to change things up and, and, and make opposition think um, on, on occasions, um, I think it can play into the opposition's hands. They're right up for the game. They're playing against the champions. They want to knock them off. As opposed to last year, you know, they'll, they'll smokies throughout the whole season. They'll just smokies and they just went about their business. No target on their back. Uh, so for me, someone like, you know, John Aloisi is definitely capable of it. Yeah. Uh, Leo Lacroix last season, he was... Unreal. You, you, you're talking levels, maybe not surpassing, and Melbourne Victory fans get really, really defensive when you bring up uh, Mathieu Delpierre, for instance, and, and liken him to another central defender who's performing well, or a Paddy Svansvike with the Mariners. But seriously, this guy was elite. And this season, like with all due respect to him, it's it's almost as if he's, his twin brothers got off the plane and he's just not quite quite up to it. I don't, I don't know what's happened, Quaz. Have you seen that with foreigners sometimes, that they come back for the second year and for one reason or another, they've gone back home, they come back and they're not quite the same or, or they're a different player the other way, they really improve? No, yeah, well, that 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 um, that exactly. I, you know, you, you don't see what what's happened to Lacroix, the, the fact that he's had a, such a remarkable uh, season in you know, uh, last year, and then he's he's basically gone backwards. You don't see that often with foreigners. Um, you, you just you see improvement or steadiness all, all the way through. Um, but it's definitely not the case for him. It's he's he, he's a shadow of himself. And you talk about man management. I, I don't know what uh, JA has done to to sort of help him, but uh, there needs to be more conversation. Obviously, him not being there tomorrow afternoon probably not a bad thing for Western. Yeah. Um, right now, but uh, there definitely needs to be more conversation with the player moving forward. And maybe may a good thing for him just to, to freshen up, even though they've just had the break, but you feel for him because, it, I don't know, maybe it's something else going on in his life or maybe he's got an injury that he's carrying, he's playing through, or that that can happen as well. But hopefully he comes back to his best because he was, he was so good to watch from a defender point of view and, and to be able to show some of the kids that would watch an A-League game as well or go to a game, he was... He was absolutely elite. What about Western Sydney Wanderers, mate? I, I've seen this before with this club that 
they they start the season and, and you look at them and you go, oh, they're getting results, but blah, 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 but they build off that. I get the feeling that that's what Mark Rodan is, is trying to do. Marco Rodan is trying to do with this with this club. What about yourself? Yeah, they've obviously gone through a massive rebuild and um, they've bought in some good players. Oliver Bazanic played his first game last week for the club. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Marco Rudin, there's there's that uh, siege mentality, us against us against the rest, uh, so to speak, and um, it, it, it's working without you know performing um, you know perfectly. Uh, but who wants to be performing perfectly this time of the season? Doesn't need to be had if they continue to build. Um, you know, they'll gain more support through the fans and um, who knows, they could be playing finals football. It's been a long time between drinks for the Western Sydney Wanderers, but I like what I'm seeing so far this season. A, uh, one of the buyers is, is Callum Neuenhoff. They've got him on a scholarship contract. And I've heard last night around the traps that um, a Dutch club might be interested in in um, taking him for a, a nice little price for the Western Sydney Wanderers. So it's an incredible bit of business in that regard because he had a back problem last year, but... Still, he's he's been great. Oh, fantastic young player! Um, and you mentioned the business side of it. Look, for me, if I'm a Western Sydney Wanderers fan, even even an Australian fan, I, I don't want him going anywhere. You you, you want to see him leave his mark on on the A League, and um, it'd be sad to see him go. But business, football is business, and when it you know revolves around money, if the the Wanderers are going to cash in, um, the fact that he's on a scholarship contract that will do me that's that's incredible um yeah they're definitely going to pay pay dividend there yeah sometimes with players it, it needs a change of environment to get more out of them but you look at sydney fc and some of the players that have come through their academy and have gone to another club and then gone to better things like cameron devlin's a great example maybe callum newenhoff as well there's nectar triantis who's now up at central coast and he looks the business if he plays the 50 games and then they can maybe sell him on and It'd be interesting to see what Sydney do with a Sekicic and a Kacharski because they're in they're, they're attacking players. They're in spots where the foreigners usually get a go at a club like Sydney, but they need game time to be able to impress because they've got the potential to develop into players who, who can go and further themselves overseas. But how are they going to get that chance at Sydney? Yeah, I think, Ads, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the Sydney FC Academy. I, I think that's a true reflection of what they're doing down there, the fact that, you know, they can't, uh, get regular football for Sydney FC, the, the, the first team. They've gone to other clubs and they've had an impact. They've had a positive impact. Oh, you got to put that down to, you know, pure development. Whatever they're doing down at Sydney FC, they're, they're onto a good thing, their production line. And there's Callum Talbot and also Marco Tilio have gone to Melbourne City to get that extra game time. So maybe Sydney might revisit their policy, but... Hey, whatever's working for them. Adam Kwasnick, thank you for your company on the uh, on the global game, mate. That's all we've got time for. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Too easy. And MacArthur from Perth Glory, by the way, tomorrow, we, we didn't get time for that. We got diverted a little bit on uh, on a favourite topic of mine. Anyway, that's development. But that is the global game for today. Tonight, Scott McDonald and I will be back tomorrow for the final daily show of the World Cup, all from 11pm Eastern, leading into SEN's broadcast of the final. Or if you want it earlier, it will be available on the podcast around midday Sunday. Just search Global Game SEN. Thanks for your company. Have a great day, everyone.